0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, Microsoft will release further patches for the recent secure boot vulnerability. There will be two subsequent patches for this particular vulnerability, and I'll cover details about that in this episode. Also, a recently disclosed keypass vulnerability exposes master passwords in memory dumps. And Microsoft have published a timeline for Windows security hardening key dates. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which of course is brought to you by my awesome sponsors that includes Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. And also brought to you by ControlUp, End-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. Control up. Happy users, happy IT. And of course, also brought to you by Networks Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, RMDM to remove local admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. First up, on last week's episode of the podcast, I covered the very troubling patch for a Windows security vulnerability in the Secure Boot feature that wasn't really a patch. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll know that it was a patch that simply gave the option to enable a setting that you could use to provide some protection against this particular Secure Boot vulnerability. There's actually multiple steps, I believe it was five steps you'd have to complete in order to be protected. But part of the trouble of this was you would need to apply this setting in such a way that you encompassed it within your backups as well and had implications for not just the system partition, but other partitions on your systems as well. So the risk of getting it wrong or not covering all your bases was that you may corrupt a machine, and then not be able to successfully restore it. So certainly high risk. And I believe that is the reason why Microsoft simply gave you the option to enable the security setting and mitigation rather than forcing it because the risk level was so high. Well, Ars Technica is now reporting that a second update will follow in July that also won't enable the patch by default but will make it easier for administrators to enable. And a third update is expected in the first quarter of next year that will enable the fix by default and render older boot media unbootable on all patched Windows PCs. Microsoft has said it is looking for opportunities to accelerate this schedule, though it's unclear what that would entail. So I guess it's possible that they may actually bring that patch that does go ahead and enable this by default Uh, forward in their schedule. I thought it was also interesting that in the Ars Technica article they made the connection between this patch and the MSI security breach that I mentioned in last week's episode too. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how this one develops and if enterprises will have enabled this on their systems as it is kind of risky before Microsoft forces it and at the time when Microsoft will force it what that's going to look like. I mean, it could get pretty ugly if administrators are flying blind into this one. Hopefully they're listening to the podcast and they know about it, or at least their security team are keeping up on what patches entail. Recently, a KeePass user with account name VDahony posted on SourceForge that they discovered an issue in the latest KeePass 2.x version default settings where a master password can be retrieved via a memory dump. They reported that it doesn't matter whether the workspace is locked or not. It works regardless. The memory source also isn't important. So for example, it could be a page file or the hibernation file. No code execution is needed, just the memory alone. A key pass representative provided a fix within the form and stated a permanent fix will be made available in the next version but that version is not yet available at the time of this recording. This one is being tracked as CVE-2023-32784, but it is so recent, at least at the time of this recording, that it has not yet been assigned a severity score, and I assume since it's just by our memory alone, it's going to be a relatively high score once they do assign a score. And of course, if you listen to the podcast regularly, this is not the first security vulnerability with KeyPass or any other password manager for that matter. Uh, several password managers have had security vulnerabilities over the last 12 months. And I believe this is the second vulnerability in KeyPass where master passwords have been exposed just within the last few months. So these are obviously very high value targets for attackers. So vulnerabilities are very concerning and hopefully get patched quickly. Recently, Citrix published a Citrix article, 550297, about an issue when using Windows image file execution options or IFEO's functionality to launch a process with a debugger as it might fail when the VDA software is installed on the same machine, creating many debugger processes failing to work as expected. And they have provided a solution and you need to enable a fix via a registry setting under the hook. So those uh, popular hooks features within Citrix are so important. And it's an enable read image file exec options exclusion list, a string registry value where you need to list executables to be excluded from hooking with the IFEO setting. So if you're using like wind debug, for example, you put in wind bg.exe to avoid this issue. Obviously running debuggers in Citrix environments is uh, something you do probably pretty regularly when troubleshooting. So if you do encounter an issue, look here. Microsoft have recently published a timeline for the Windows security hardening key dates in the future. It shows future security hardening changes that could impact customers, including the net logon protocol changes that I've covered on several episodes of this podcast, but there are also some others like Kerberos hardening, AD permission changes, and more. So to keep ahead of what could be pretty impactful changes within Windows, check out this timeline to be informed. And I'll share a link to that with this episode, which is episode 282, and you'll find it over at fivebytespodcast.com. VMware have released a new Horizon installation prerequisite checker. This new tool is designed to help VMware customers validate their infrastructure and ensure it is ready before installing the VMware Horizon connection server. So this is something that probably should have been in the product a long time ago. Like if you're trying to install something like Microsoft Configuration Manager, for example, uh, you run through a prerequisites check if you're installing SQL, it will check some prerequisites like um, you know, pending patches and stuff like that. So this is something that should really be in a more large complex products in my opinion. So it's cool that it's there now and it should be a benefit to those people who are setting up new connection servers. So good job. The Riken Center for Quantum Computing in Japan published work on an algorithm recently that significantly accelerates a specific quantum computing workload. Most significantly, the workload itself, called Time Evolution Operators, has applications in condensed matter physics and quantum chemistry, two fields that can unlock new worlds within our own world, according to Tomshardware.com. It reported the performance gains are so significant that future quantum computers can be made simpler than we thought possible they'll be able to tackle bigger problems sooner than we expected and at a lower cost but the performance gains don't stop there they could make it possible for conventional machines to process the degrees of complexity that only a quantum computer could supposedly solve so Having the kind of processing by an algorithm on your own daily driver machine equipped for quantum computing sounds like a pretty mind-blowing concept. But apparently the Riken Center for quantum computing in Japan has cracked just that. It'll be interesting to see how this story develops further too. Hopefully it's not just window dressing to gain investment. A few weeks ago on the podcast, I covered the fact a large UK firm called Capita endured an outage of services that lasted several days. Well, now the register is reporting that details of almost half a million members were held on servers accessed during the recent breach. Capita provides services to universities' superannuation scheme, the UK's largest private pension provider. So these half a million members are members who hold pensions with this private pension provider. The data potentially accessed includes title, initials and name, date of birth, national insurance number, and the US member number. It dates from early 2021 and covers around 470,000 active, deferred, and retired members. USSS says it is waiting for Capita to send over specific data that it will need to check and process. Capita did contact pension holders to warn of the breach and a report by the register estimates the cleanup of this breach will cost up to 20 million pounds. Tim Missiat on Twitter shared a poll asking, what install tech do you prefer when installing something on Windows? And the options were an MSI installer, an EXE installer, or maybe an AppX installer. And I think most people, he was asking those who have a strong preference to vote and share why their preference is whatever they selected. Personally, on the options, I picked MSI because I'm not really interested in AppX. Uh, MSIX was not an option. And even if it was at this point, I would probably pick MSI still due to the limitations with MSIX. Plus the fact that personally, what I do is I take the MSI and auto-convert it to a cloud paging container since you know I work for Numescent and we have a cloud paging container format. I think I saw some people saying that, yeah, I like MSI because I know exactly how to silently install it. I don't have to go messing about trying to figure out silent switches like you might have to do with an EXE. But there were also several people who said their preference would be an MSIX if one was available, which is completely understandable because if one is available, it is very straightforward to deploy and relatively painless. And like with everything I share on each episode of the podcast, I'll be sure to share a link to this if you'd like to review the thread for yourself with this episode. In a quick hit story, just an update about the Bing chat, which of course uses the artificial intelligence behind ChatGPT, but it has now been announced or reported by windowscentral.com that a Microsoft account is no longer a requirement to use the Bing chat feature. However, unauthenticated chats are limited to five turns per person which is obviously significantly lower than the 20 turns that are allowed for those signed in with a Microsoft account. So there's still an incentive to using a Microsoft account, but it's no longer required if you'd like to try out Bing Chat. And a few more quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week, but cloud paging and cloud pager script-based actions are now available in the Control Up script library. So these are actually some script-based actions that I created that you can use for doing things like you know selecting uh, a user or multiple users active sessions to uh, simply right click and get a list of the application containers available to those users you're able to do things like check the cloud paging cache uh, metrics so how much cache is currently in use you can clear a user's cache you can do things like uh, sync a user's work pods forcibly remotely there's a few different other goodies in there too and i'll share a link to that So if you're a New Messin customer and you're also a Control-Up customer, you may find this useful. The first ever Bellux CugC will be taking place next Tuesday, May 23rd, beginning at 12.30pm. So register now to attend. It will be held in O'Leary's in Ghent, which is in Belgium which is probably insulting to people who are actually in the region listening because I'm sure you know that Ghent is in Belgium. I will be speaking at the event as part of a sponsored session. The awesome Esther Bartel will also be speaking at the event, so too will Adam Clark and more. As this is the inaugural event for the region, it would be really great if people around could show up and support the user group because you'll find that having a C.U.G.C. is a great asset. So helping it to grow ensures that that asset is there for you and for everyone else too. And congratulations to the awesome Jarian Gibson, who was declared the winner of this year's Stephanie Roper Community Award. No one is more deserving than Jarian. He works tirelessly and he's been so involved in the community for so long. So it's really awesome that he's been recognized with this award. Congrats, Jarian. And finally, VMware have released version 6.4 of the standalone converter, which is an awesome tool i have no idea what is new in this release as i didn't see any release notes on the landing page there is a product document but it doesn't seem to show uh, what's new in the product and it doesn't really matter to be honest because if you've used it before you know how useful it is for like p 2 being machines and converting machines over to different vmware products or for use in different vmware products i'm just happy it's back and getting new versions again and now this episode scripts tricks and tips Thanks to Config Manager Dog on Twitter for this. He shared Aaron Parker's GitHub repository that contains an icons repo that has application icons that you can use in Microsoft Intune. And presumably you could use them in other application publishing tools as well and application portals. I remember there used to be a community Dropbox Uh, with application icons for Unidesk back in the day that I was using religiously and then it was taken away. (laughs) So I had to start building my own. So uh, very useful to have a public repository like Aaron's. Same credit again for this next one. But did you know, because I didn't, there are new and improved org chart templates in Visio. So if you're trying to develop an org chart or change your org chart, which seems to happen constantly in large enterprises, Uh, you should check out the new Visio org chart templates. Damian Van Robes had a blog post back in 2021 that I saw this week on SysdenDeploy.com about automatically enrolling Windows Sandbox or devices in Intune without having to go to access work or school. And this is accomplished via a provisioning package. So if you wanna see how to do that, Check out this blog post and I'll share a link with this episode. And another oldie but a goodie, this one was from 2020, I saw that Thomas Maurer had a blog post on how to configure Azure Automatic VM Guest OS patching. And it's just funny, like, seeing these two kind of older blog posts that are still irrelevant and having missed them when they were originally published has made me think that I probably need to uh, repost Uh, more of my blog posts i tend to post them when i first publish them like i'll post or share them on twitter for example or linkedin and then i just won't write about them or promote them again in any other way so i should really get uh, my older posts circulated more widely again so thanks for the inspiration on that damien and thomas But also, this week I saw powershellcenter.com had a blog post on getting installed update and machine uptime information using PowerShell, and it looks like it compiles it pretty nicely into a table, and that's very useful information. And finally, for this week, Joran Nilsson had a PowerShell script to update your boot images for that CVE-2023-24932 that I talked about at the top of the show this week and also at the top of the show on last week. So that's that complicated one that's a patch that it gives you the option to enable that setting, but it could be like a five-step process. But this is another PowerShell script that you could use for accomplishing that. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. As always, thank you all so much for listening.